You are listening to The Stender with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit JcastNetwork.org. So this was a particularly hard week. For those of us, if you're like me, who watch the news or listen to the news. And over the past few weeks, there have been sort of trickles in the American news media, at least, of um, a growing, what had been called a migrant crisis um, that was largely impacting Europe, but is now, I think, more accurately uh, um, called a refugee crisis Um, affecting not only Europe, but impacting uh, many areas of the world. And a lot of these refugees um, are traveling, uh, are are leaving war-torn, devastating war-torn regions like Syria. And uh, many of us saw, of course, um, the pictures, uh, some of us wish we hadn't seen the pictures in the news this week of... um, Uh, little children trying to escape Syria washed up on the shore. And so I think that the story has kind of uh, uh, boiled to a head over the course of the week, I think largely because of encountering those images and being confronted with um, um, the depth of devastation and uh, the horror of the tragedy in, in places like Syria and the extraordinary humanitarian crisis that faces Europe most immediately, um, but also, I think, is a pressing question, uh, a call out to all um, civilized and advanced nations um, of the world of what we can do uh, and what we are obligated to do uh, in order to... um, uh, to help those uh, who are really caught in some of uh, the worst man-made uh, disasters um, in modern history. And I was thinking about that story over the course of the week, and I was thinking about it as I was driving in a nice new car in a beautiful, well-manicured area of our gorgeous city, and coming home to um, what I think is a really uh, lovely home that I get to live in, where I have a beautiful meal on the table uh, every night. Sometimes I nuke it myself, sometimes I don't, but nevertheless, I have something to put in my belly. And an extraordinary community that I get to be a part of and get to walk down the street safely and securely to every week, every day. a wonderful wife, a, a, a gorgeous family, a daughter who is the same age now as some of those children that we saw in some of those pictures. And it struck me how incredibly blessed my life is, how incredibly lucky I am. Because though I worked pretty hard to get uh, uh, to, you know, go to school and uh, get the, you know, position I have. I had to work to uh, convince Adira to marry me. I had to work, you know, having kids. There's work involved in all of this. But at the end of the day, having been born into a well-off, 
middle-class family in suburban Atlanta, Georgia in the 20th century in the wealthiest nation in the history of mankind in an era of peace and tranquility and stability, an era when America has been at war for a long time in my adult life, but aside from one major attack that I was actually in proximity to my first week of college in on September 11th, we have lived in a country that has uh, not seen war on our soil for a long, long time. And I was born into that context. And many of us were born into that context. And it's incredible to think just for a moment when you're living the life that you're living and you have all of your troubles and all of your pains and we all do and we, we all have difficulties in our lives. But to be able to realize how extraordinary it is to be alive in this moment, to have been born when we were born and to have been born where we were born, many of us, not all of us, but many of us, can point to our lives and say, we didn't do anything to deserve the life that we were born into, the opportunities that we had by virtue of the life we were born, in, born into. We didn't earn it. We just got lucky. And some people, with the exact same humanity as we have, with the exact same DNA as we have, with the exact same hearts and minds and souls as we have, are not so lucky, are not born into that kind of environment, are not born into that kind of context, are born into places of unimaginable poverty, catastrophic warfare, horrific crimes against humanity. And these are the places, by no fault of those people's own, by just the luck of the draw like we had, are born into a context that most of us couldn't even fathom would find to be intolerable. And so I was thinking about that as I was driving down a nice street in Richmond in my nice car this week listening to the story of the refugee crisis. And it struck me at that moment what the Torah was talking about in this week's Parsha. In this week's Parsha, we have a ritual known as the Bikurim, which means the first fruits. Uh, and uh, the ritual uh, described in the Torah is that when the Israelites settle in the land of Israel, and they uh, occupy the land, and they uh, plant crops, and they yield the harvest of those crops, they're to bring the first fruits of that harvest to the temple. And there is a prayer that they say when they bring the harvest to the temple and they bring it as an offering, as a donation to the temple. And every time you uh, have a harvest, you are supposed to bring the first fruits of that harvest as an offering to the temple. The Torah says, chapter 26, very beginning of our Torah portion, it says, it shall be when you come into the land that, the, that uh, uh, the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance, and you possess it and dwell therein, you shall take of the first of all the fruit of the ground which you shall bring in from your land that the Lord your God has given you. And you shall put it in a basket, and shall go unto the place that the Lord your God shall choose to cause God's name to dwell. And you shall come unto the priest that shall be in those days and say to him, I profess this day to the Lord your God that I am come into the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. 
And the priest shall take the basket out of your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. And you shall speak and say before the Lord your God, Arami Oved Avi, a wandering Aramean was my father, Vayered Mitzrayma, and he went down to Egypt, Vayagorsham Bimtema'at, and he dwelt there uh, in uh, small numbers, Vayisham Legoi Gadol Atzum Verav, and he grew there into a uh, great and powerful nation. And the Egyptians dwelt ill with us, and afflicted us, and laid upon us harsh, harsh bondage. And we cried unto the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord he- heard our voice, and saw our affliction, and our toil, and our oppression. And the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand, and an outstretched arm, and with great terribleness, and with signs, and with wonders. And he has brought us into this place, and has given us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now, behold, I have brought the first fruit of the land, which you, O Lord, have given me. And you shall set it down before the Lord your God, and worship before the Lord your God. And you shall rejoice in all the good which the Lord your God has given unto you, and unto your house, you and the Levite and the stranger that is in the midst of you. What's going on in that passage? I think what it's trying to tell us is that when the Israelites get into the land of Israel, it's a fertile land. You're going to plant crops, and you're going to have bounty. The Torah actually says that explicitly to us in other places in Deuteronomy. You're going to get there, it's going to be a very fertile land, you're going to plant crops, and boom! It's going to be bonanza with the grapes and the figs and the pomegranates and the dates. You're just going to have more than you know what to do with. And then the Torah says, the proper response to that kind of bounty, to those kind of blessings, is recognition of all that went into the production of those blessings, bringing you in contact with those blessings, that was not a product of your own agency. That was entirely out of your hands. You didn't run away from Egypt and enter the land of Israel. God brought you out of Egypt and brought you to the land of Israel. You may have planted the seeds, but you didn't control the rain and the sunshine and the wind that helped the crops grow or not grow. You may have tilled the soil, but I think it's a little disingenuous to say that the crops grew because of what you did. And the proper response, therefore, the Torah says to the blessings that we have in our lives, when we experience the bounty that we have, is first recognition, second recognition at the luck of the draw that at least was a factor in our receiving those blessings. Because only by realizing that at least a portion of those blessings is due to circumstances utterly beyond our control, can we be a little bit more empathetic and forgiving to those who experience harsher circumstances, have worse luck than we do to not accuse them of being lazy or unmotivated or responsible for all of their own ills. It's true that we have responsibility and agency in our lives, but there is much of our lives that is a product of circumstances far beyond our control. And so the Torah says the response to bounty is recognition at 
the luck in our lives. And recognition, therefore, of those who are not quite so lucky. And the proper response to that recognition, our Parsha says, is gratitude. I give thanks for the goodness that the Lord God has given me. Gratitude is an emotion, and it's important, but it's only important insofar as what it leads to. And what it leads to, the Torah says, is generosity. The response to the blessings we have in our lives is gratitude that leads to generosity. Generosity of spirit, generosity of possessions, generosity toward other people, to open our hearts, to open our souls, to open our homes, to open our wallets, to open anything that we possibly have that might be of benefit, of use to somebody else. The Torah says that the proper response to blessing is generosity. The result of it, the Torah affirms, is joy. It feels good to recognize that you're lucky, and after that, to give. And science corroborates that, in fact. We know, the studies all show, that people who give more tend to be more happy. And so, as I was thinking about this Parsha, and thinking about the terrible news that is coming over our TVs and our computer screens and our newspapers, our radios, about what's happening in Africa and Middle East and ultimately in Europe, and a major question about what our country can or should do in response to this crisis. The Torah has a very profound and powerful message for each of us, that we've been given, at whatever level we've had them, incredible blessings by virtue of the time and place where we've been privileged to grow up and live. Something that we didn't necessarily choose and that we lucked out on. And the orientation the Torah invites us to is recognition and gratitude and ultimately to generosity. So as we think about what we might do in response to this growing crisis, I encourage us to think of this ritual of the Bikurim, of recognizing our blessings and then opening up in whatever way we can to make sure that those who are not quite as fortunate as we are are able to experience some of the bounty as well.